um, word bubbles in like a comic book thing <laughs> for Nicki Minaj and Fergie. Yes. That was incredible software. It was incredible, but then it was like, it, it was like, well, sorry, your free trial's up. Right. It's going to be like two ninety nine a year or something. And I was like, nope, I will not do it. I stand on principle here. It's too much. Sure, I have a runaway success of a cartoon of Nicki Minaj and Fergie having conversations. But... That people love and they want more of. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I've gone back and looked at it. It's sort. It's it holds it's up. It's good. Yeah, you were on to something. I was definitely. Um, I think I. Yeah, it would require a refresh. But yeah. Anyway, now I have an extraordinarily expensive device which I can draw on. So uh, <laughs> get ready, world. <laughs> um, all right, Simon. You want to welcome people back. Uh, Folks, you better welcome back to another episode of Maybe Next Time. Uh, I am your host, William Blue, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. <laughs> Nets Nation. Hello again, DeAndre Jordan. Oh, we are back as we are each and every unrelenting week to talk all things dive bars, Simon. Before we get into the nets, before we get into dive bars, before we get into the awful, god awful, horrible, heinous, atrocious, nightmarish return of DeAndre Jordan, <laughs> I've got to ask you one rather serious question. How okay. the heck are you? Um, I'm doing good. I'm doing <laughs> good. I'm doing I'm doing good. Yeah. Hey, it's a weekend, right? What do you got to complain about? That's right. That's right. And I'm not I'm not I'm committed myself to not thinking about stuff. What is the first museum you want to go to when when you feel comfortable going to a museum again? The the Met. I want to go to that exhibit at um uh that you were talking oh, about. The Alice Neal exhibit? Yeah, and um my mom was talking about it too, so. Oh, great! I mean, she hasn't seen it, but she, you know, read about it. Right, right, right. Okay, all right. Well, hey, you know, let me know. Tip of the hat. Hey, yeah, definitely. Get you, get you a ticket. Um, okay, it. but we are here really to discuss the the second place team in the Eastern Conference, Simon, the Brooklyn Nets. They are a formidable super team with three of the league's most elite offensive stars. Yet, <laughs> Simon, it's unclear whether those three stars will ever play <laughs> another game simultaneously with one another. As yes. a result, we lose games to a very undermanned Lakers team. Mm -hmm. We lose games to the Philadelphia 76ers, arguably crucial games for seeding. Yes, that one hurt. That one hurt. Let's get into it. That's where we'll start. And then, folks, we're going to go take a deep dive into dive bars. So if you're here for the uh, for the our accounts of some of Brooklyn's finest dive bars, skip ahead about eight and a half minutes. Before we do so, Simon, we got to figure out what's going on with the seating because this has real life consequences the the one two and three are going to be in some order the 76ers us and the milwaukee bucks 
Yeah. The rest of the East is a dumpster fire, but some pieces of that dumpster fire are, are scarier to meet in a round one and round two matchup than other exactly. pieces of said dumpster fire. Yes. So let's say the season ends today, right? And we're second and Philly's first and Milwaukee's third, which I think is, is a not improbable conclusion, though the Bucks are turning it up and we know when they turn up the regular season, they can be quite good. But let's just say we finish second. That would have us playing right now the Heat in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a play-in, so we won't know exactly who the seventh seed is going to be. But it would be between the Heat and the and the Hornets who we'd play the first round. If we played the Hornets, I think last night's performance, the Hornets suck. Who cares? If we play the Hornets, it's not an issue. We're in the second round. If we play the Heat in round one, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, I'm not loving that matchup. No. In a first round, Goran Dragic? Um, no, I, I that would be a horrible first round. And then, <laughs> as a reward, if we are able to beat the Heat, we'd pro- almost certainly play the Bucks, which would be horrible. Right. <laughs> After which we would drag whatever's left of this team. Surely at least one of the superstars would be out by then <laughs> to face to face the 76ers, the centerpiece of of which scored 39 points against us in one of his least efficient games of the season. Yeah. And you got to imagine, as stalwart a defender as DJ is, that there's a lot of flukiness in that bad, bad night, quote unquote, bad night when he had <laughs> nearly 40 points and 13 rebounds. Um, but that's a that's a scary matchup, especially after what seems like it could be two two scary rounds. So with that said, we're not that into the second seed. Uh, the first seed could be a little more important than Steve Nash is giving it credit for, don't you think? Yeah, um, I would like the first seed. <laughs> I think that would be good. Um, but can I tell you something that maybe will make us us feel better? Um, yeah. I, you sort of hinted at this before the game, uh, before the Philly game, but after the Philly game, I am feeling much better about the 76ers not beat. Now, I don't know. This is not to say that I think that the Nets are definitely going to beat them or that the Nets are going to be good in the playoffs. Um, I am as skeptical of that as ever, but I do feel like the 76ers still give off a 76ery vibe. Mm-hmm. Like they have a very, we were talking about it um, during the game, but they, they, when the going gets tough, their stars mope and they get their slumped shoulders going and they get tentative and they just there's just a lot of bad body language going on with 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 those guys and they have a coach who is legendary for his um choking so i just kind of feel like again it might not be us but i would be pretty surprised honestly if the sixers are the the team that come out of the east yeah i i do i mean on paper, they're really, really scary with Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. Simmons, and Harris alone. Um, but I agree with you. If it comes down to close, high-pressure playoff games, I don't trust Tobias Harris 
to be knocking down shots. Ben no, Simmons isn't going to take shots. Right. Uh, Joel Embiid, you know, if they're not if they're not calling a million fouls, that's going to you know he's obviously not shooting threes right now. He's a, he's a menace, but that's not exactly who you go to at end of games very often. So yeah. then it's like, all right, is Danny Green going to be scorching hot four out of seven games? Or is is Seth Curry going to win this series for you? Right. Um, and I just don't see that happening. They're, now, George Hill is going to be an interesting addition. Mm-hmm. But I don't see George Hill as the difference maker in that series. Yeah, I agree with you. So then, if you're now over your fear of the of of Philly, yeah, what team in the East are you most scared of? Um, I honestly think it's the Bucks. I know the Bucks have had a tough, um, have have, you know, they they kind of choked last year. Um, the year before that, they also kind of um, collapsed. But I think that they present the issue of having three players who can competently defend our three stars and we have no one who can guard, um, any of their stuff. Like, I, I don't know that we hit, like, I guess Nick Claxton be interesting to see him on, on, um, uh, uh, um, Giannis, but you know, I mean, I say that in a way that I would like to see it in the regular season when the stakes are not very high. I'm not, jonesing for that matchup <laughs> in the in the playoffs so uh, that's who i'm most worried about but that is not to say nets fans that i think that the nets are like you know have a cakewalk because the sixers suck i i just i think that says more about the sixers than the nets yeah i i agree i'm i'm growing increasingly concerned about the bucks i think they might be unjustly disregarded just because of their past playoff lack of success yeah, uh, but I think Drew Holiday is a meaningful upgrade from Eric Bledsoe for them, and that could translate to playoff success. Um, and it would just suck to have to face them in the second round. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So you know that Sixers game could really come back to haunt us when we are out of it the entire game. We crawl back. We get pretty close. There's only a couple minutes left, and Steve Nash decides to keep going with. Uh, you know, admittedly, the team that got us back in the game, but we didn't have the one star that was available, um, Kyrie Irving, in the game. And for whatever reason, we decided to play Kevin Durant against the Timberwolves the night before instead of saving him to play against the Sixers, which I just find on a lot <laughs> of levels really annoying like i know they're trying to save him and i know that you know you can't play him in back to backs and they're probably not trying to show their hand too much in some weird cunning you know like hey how could they plan against us if they don't see us sort of way yeah but again if it's a difference between like playing the eighth seed a nobody in the second round and basically having a cakewalk to the conference finals instead of three semi-terrifying uh, rounds. That's yeah. That's meaningful. So, and how ha- do you feel about them not having having chosen to play Durant? It was obviously a choice they made to play Durant against the Timberwolves in a meaningless game instead of the Sixers, a meaningful game. So I don't agree with it. I I I I will say that I think Steve Nash, based on his comments about like you know, because we had a very ugly game against the Lakers prior to that. 
And so I think he was somewhat worried that like if we then followed that up with a loss to the to the um, Timberwolves that like things could spiral. Um, and so, but I, I would rather have seen Durant up against the Sixers um, for the reasons you laid out. And I would also add that the Sixers are much, much better at home. Um, so that home court over the Sixers um, could be important as well. Totally. So, you know, we don't know where this is going to end up. We do know we'll be a top three seed. I honestly think three might be better than than two at this point. I think you might have an easier. You're going to get like a the Knicks or the Hawks or someone in the first round. Yeah, um, it, which sounds preferable to a Heat or a uh, or a, potentially the Raptors if they if they can keep it going here. Right, and I the the thing that's hard about the first round is that those teams are all separated by like very little. Hmm. Um, so it's hard to tell who you're. Who you getting? Yeah, it's too too soon to tell. I think I think it's just also too close and too near the end to just fuck off a game against <laughs> your rival for that number one seed. Yeah. What do you think about so what do you think psychologically it says about the Nets doing that? Versus the Sixers are pretty like loud, but both Ben Simmons and Embiid have said, yeah, we want that one seed. Like we're gunning for that one seed. We're much better at home. Like they, they have been pretty upfront about that in the, the, um, the nets have, as you've said, you know, both in action and in word, um, said they, that's not their top priority. Right. I think it's arrogance. Mm that is potentially masking uh, a deep insecurity. <laughs> Ooh, right? interesting. So I think as, when I was in Little League, Simon, I was on in, – in the minors, I was on a super team, right? And we're, they're the Reds. We went undefeated. We we're 21-0. and 0. And the final game of the season, we were playing the second-best team in the league that they were the Dukes or something like that. And they like, they'd only lost three or four games, you know, the whole season we beat them. We'd beaten them a few times. And my coach was like, Hey, these guys want it. They need it. You know, let's give them this win. We don't need to be completely undefeated, whatever we threw the game. I, I pitched a couple innings. I had pitched once that whole season. Spoiler alert. I wasn't a good pitcher. <laughs> uh, what was your, what was your position? Well, I was catcher for a large okay. part of the season and, uh, I moved around a bit. I moved around, but I was a catcher. Okay. Um, like my dad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, we threw the game, and I think part of it was because he was scared we were going to lose the game, uh, right? And he didn't want – I don't think it was out of – like, knowing the coach, it wasn't this altruistic gesture. Like, if he knew he could have put his boot on their neck, he would have. But he was afraid that we would have tried and we would have had our, our hearts broken by not being able to keep up the undefeated thing. So we just gave up trying, you know. And so right now the Nets are acting arrogantly like, hey, uh, the, our seed doesn't matter, you know. We'll beat whoever we face in any series. And 
for certain people, that's a, like very, very exceptional circumstances. That's okay. Like LeBron can be like, cool, be the fifth seed. That's fine. Like I'll get to the finals. That's okay. Because he's done it. You know, he did it like seven times in a row or whatever. Right. But this team has no track record of having done that. This is a very, this is like the most Clippers E of last year gesture mm. that the Nets have made. They're too cool for school. They don't need to try. They don't need to go for it. They don't need to like leave it all on the court. Um, and they, they mask that as, yeah, because we're so good, we know we're going to beat everyone. But I think part of that comes from, I don't want to know that we can't yet. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe they can, and this is all, you know, and their, their posturing and swagger and arrogance is completely founded, but nobody knows that. And least, and, and, you know, before, if you don't know that, if you're not LeBron James, I don't think that you have a right to be quite that arrogant. Yeah. What, what do you think about the just, um, yeah, the the I mean, at a certain point, you see all these players going down, and a part of me is just like, shit. If we could just, maybe we should just not play our stars and just like get to the playoffs with them, because like every star is going down, and um, you know, it's just it's very so scary. Every game is so scary. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. It's it it does seem like that. Apparently the league issued a thing that was like the rate of injury is actually not elevated for most seasons. Uh it just seems that way because the people who are getting hurt are so much bigger names. Okay. Uh I have no idea whether that is NBA PR spin or right, uh, factually true. Um, but certainly, yeah, you see Jamal Murray go out, AD's been out forever, LeBron's out, you know, like, yeah, that would make one trepidatious about, about it. I, I don't know. I, I understand the, the argument that the regular season doesn't really matter, but at some point these guys have to play some games together. They, yeah. they can't it, – it's not just a pickup basketball team that can go in and then beat all the other best te- players and teams in the entire world. Right. In like the mo- – like in a competition where the other players, uh, you know, who have the, also the best coaches and trainers, that they, they, they get to like plan to play you. Uh, <laughs> you know, like that's extremely difficult to do if you have no knowledge of what it's like to play with the players you're playing with. Right, right. Well, William, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, James Harden is traveling with the team to Miami, uh, and uh, and um, Sean Marks said something like he needs like two days, at least two more days of like practicing four on four or five on five. But that to me sounds knock on wood like he could be back relatively soon i think he could be back soon and that is just more reason why i love james harden if that guy (laughs) can play he's going to play he's not thinking about it from this calculated you know uh, is this the most prudent move available to us from like a injury health whatever strategic standpoint he's gonna ball if he could ball and there's just like something really I don't know, honorable, respectable about that, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
And the other stuff just seems like bullshit to me. Like, okay, you, you think it's better. Like, it's all hypothetical. Like, I think that this strategy is better. Like, I think this is a better tactic to take. But, like, with all tactics, it's all based on, like, what the results of the those are. So it's easy to say that it's, like, a tactical move before you know what the results are. And... But there's so little evidence that, like, that sort of tactic has worked. Like, the, the Clippers last year are a really good yeah. example of that. Whereas, like, LeBron has always – a guy who has – is, like, of anyone who's playing now, has most consistently gone the farthest in the hardest thing to do, the playoffs, has always played <laughs> every single time he's available to play. Right. You know, and there's not it's, it, he has never been, you know, uh, he has never adopted the Kawhi or or Nets um, training staff philosophy of sitting out every third game and then they're throwing a fourth here and there. And it's all because we're smarter and better and know how to save people for this other time and we're going to need them and blah, 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 blah. Right. And I also find it interesting the, the the rest after back-to-backs, given that Kevin Durant has played very few games. Like, does that count for anything? The fact that, like, he was out for more than half the year? Right. No, I, it, it doesn't, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> it counts for nothing. You just don't get it, okay? They're smarter yeah. than us. They know how to do it. Um, even though I feel like the Nets always have... A staggering number of injuries. It is truly remarkable. All right. It's time to get to the theme, Simon. Okay. Czar of theme. Czar of fun. What's our theme for this week? All right, Nets Nation. You know we love bars. You know we love you. And you know we love your Nets. Um, (laughs) So we are comparing Nets players to um, dive bars, basically. Dive bars in Brooklyn. Yes, in Brooklyn. Yes. So I I hate to say this because obviously Bur- Brooklyn's my favorite of the of the boroughs. Manhattan is home to some good dive bars. Oh, yes. Uh East Village, Alphabet City. Great great dive bar places. Uh-huh, um uh-huh. but we are sticking strictly to Brooklyn dive bars. So, and we will compare them obviously to Nets players to make this Nets relevant. Simon, do you want to start or shall I? You should go. You have a lot more than I do. I do have a lot more. I have, uh, this, <laughs> I, I love the Nets. I love the Nets, Simon. Yes. But gun to my head. If someone said pick between a dive bars and, and the Nets, I would pick dive bars every time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have I have three categories of, of dive bars that I'm going to compare to Nets. The first one is Barclay Center adjacent bars, uh, dive bars. Okay. And, and these are for – so my, the bars are going to be Barclays adjacent. And the nets I'm going to compare them to are going to be the ones who are near and dear to my heart, right? Because it's near to the stadium. Okay. Okay. So first one is Frank's. Mm-hmm. You know Frank's. I know Frank's. 
We've done many a pregame at Frank's. Frank's is a deeply flawed bar. <laughs> but it's walkable to the stadium. The prices aren't good at all. You'll end up paying like $6 for a lukewarm Budweiser. Uh, but if you go enough, and I mean like like all the time. I was going – when I if you go enough, you, the bartenders will hook it up. They'll give you some shots. But you really have to go a lot. I was going when I was like like <laughs> compulsively going to BAM movies right. and Barclays Center. So I was there like four days a week. Right. And over months and months of that, they'll eventually begin to hook it up. But it's – it's not a it's not a place if you want a good can combo special or anything like that. It's not it's not a particularly cool place. It's pretty run down. It's got a lot of character though. It has character for sure. It's unique. It's unique. And yeah, I mean I love it, but it's not like like the prices aren't really dive bar prices. No. Uh, but anyway, you go enough, you, you you learn to love it, and that for me, Simon <laughs> is Landry Shamit. I really didn't like him at first. I really, 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 really didn't like him. But with time, I'm starting to get into Landry Shamit a little bit more. And I've, I've, I've given the reasons why a few times now, but I think he's, he's a, a, you know, an acquired taste. Yeah. Yep. Sort of like Frank's. <laughs> Right, yeah. Frank's is not a place you got to do a lot of explaining and background stuff for why you're meeting somebody at Frank's. Yeah, you really do, and a lot of apologizing, honestly. <laughs> so another near and dear one. I'll just keep going for a second. Another near and dear one. Another one close to Barclays, Simon. Charlene's. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Close to Barclays, one of the best bars in New York, I'd say. Yeah, that's that's uh, my favorite. It's top top ten for me for sure. Um, please don't start going there, listeners, uh, because it's awful when it's crowded. Like, it's not <laughs> fun to be there anymore on, on Friday and Saturday nights. But it's one of those great dive bars where it's like you, there are cheap options. You know, you can get a $3 beer. But also, I think it's probably the first place I ever had an other half IPA. So if mm. you're feeling fancy, you know, you could get a nicer beer. But also, a great place to just get high lifes and cheap shots of whiskey or, or Jaeger. Anyway, my main thing is, Simon, it's a great bar when it's not crowded. It kind of sucks when it is crowded Uh for for many reasons. The bartenders already hate you even if they don't have anyone else they have to serve. (laughs) If there are a bunch of people, then they they doubly hate you. Um, So for me, this is going to be Nick Claxton, right? I love being in early on Nick Claxton. Mm. I love that we love Nick Claxton, but I'm kind of worried about if the if the lights get too bright and everyone mm. starts focusing on Claxton, that might kind of detract from from its allure that, for me. That's a good analogy. Um, I have Charlene's as uh, as James Harden, uh, William, because it yes, it is my favorite um, bar and. Um, what I appreciate most about it, as you mentioned, like just before COVID, just before COVID, it had started to become crowded on like Fridays and Saturdays, seemingly. But up until that point, it, it just like basically had a like perfect amount of people in it. I would say like not so few that you're like, Oh boy, am I, am I a loser? (laughs) Right. But like, 
not hugely crowded at all. You've mentioned many of the great, um, that it has pinball. It has good, um, you know, a good, uh, jukebox. Um, and, um, yeah. And it's just so, like this oasis, like it's on Flatbush, one of the least human friendly places <laughs> on the planet. Like nobody wants to be walking on Flatbush and no. you just see this dark, like disgusting burgundy awning and a yes. dark door and you walk through it and it's just this perfect oasis. Right. It's like and you're in a completely remote, just chill environment immediately. Right. And, and, and to me that, that embodies James Harden, especially when he first came to the nets um, and instantly Kyrie and Katie fell away. And it was just like, here, I'll just be your solid rock of a player who gets you at like 11 assists and 25 points a night, like consistently runs the entire offense. Anytime I'm in a game, you at least have a, a shot at winning, even if I'm the only um, star playing. Right. Um, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> I. I can't wait to go back to Charlene's and be inside Charlene's. I got to say, yeah. this whole thing just made me desperately want to go to one of these places. Um, so I'm going to skip my last one in that category because it's not that good. And I'm going to move on to my next category, which is bars you have to travel to, dive bars you have to travel to, um, and compare them to nets that you that you love, right? These are some of the best nets. But you have to keep them at a distance because you don't want to get hurt <laughs> by them. Okay? Okay, okay. So number one on this list of bars, dive bars, I'm willing to travel to 10 times out of 10. I've Every single time I go to this place, I have a good time, inevitably. Mm-hmm. I've been there many times with you. It's Turkey's Neck. <laughs> now, it's technically called Turkey's Nest, but I call, we call it Turkey's Neck. And it is just south of McCarran Park on, on Bedford. And... Hands down, it top five dive bars in New York City. You can get a 32-ounce styrofoam cup of Coors for $6. You can take it out with you if you want. Go sit in the park if you're an idiot. Or you can go sit back by the bathrooms and soak up the piss stench and uh, people screaming about Buck Hunter. Um, or if you if you're a true masochist, you can sit at the bar with the regulars and feel mm. like you've somehow been transported to a deep red state. Yeah, I have never <laughs> had the guts to do that. I've never sat I at the have, bar. I have by myself, and it, it is <laughs> yeah. I would say it. It's a part of Brooklyn. It's it's like a four by four foot area of Brooklyn. It feels like it's in the heart of Staten Island. <laughs> extreme conservatives okay yes yes but i love this bar it's so cheap we always have a great time and, and, for, and so go, sorry what's no I, I was just gonna say it's also for folks who haven't been there it's not just that it also has like at least at the for it's gone through different iterations but it has young people it has your your it did have at least for a period of time your your hipsters i'm not sure if those exist anymore but yeah um yeah. Yeah, definitely. It it has especially like later at night. But like you go in an afternoon and most of the young people now because Williamsburg is a hellscape of, you know, like finance bros and things, are people right. coming in and getting to go things to go back to McCarran Park to watch like I don't know, 
as they force poor people to wrestle with each other or whatever they do there. <laughs> right. They've got, they've got the latest iteration of bum fights. So <laughs> exactly. A, a show we, we thought we had, uh, you know, rid from us, but right. still around in McCarran park. So anyway, Turkey's neck for me is Kyrie Irving, right? He's, extraordinary offensive wizard a delight <laughs> to watch when he's playing absolutely thrilling at time but just like if you're sitting at the bar at turkey's neck sometimes <laughs> you just don't want to hear what they really have to say okay right. i right. don't need to know that you know blue lives matter at the bar okay <laughs> just like i don't need to know that Kyrie thinks that you need to watch more youtube videos to figure something out right um can i do my second one in this category sure the levy simon the levy yeah. ah yes oh that's a great one i can't believe i don't have that on my list yeah that's another top five for me in that's new york that's huge one it's happy hour you get dollar black label carlton beers for a dollar <laughs> i think when it's not happy hour you get them for two or three dollars so you're not going to break the bank it has super cheap beer great you know super cheap shots if a douchebag walks in the in the door they will turn up metal to a deafening level to try to drive them out or they did at one point which is always just so nice you're like hey i looked you know weird enough that i wasn't driven out with death metal um <laughs> and you could take some comfort in that oh definitely it feels great there are free cheese puffs Mm-hmm. There's a cheap pool table. There's a backyard. I mean, it's a shitty backyard, but it's there. Um, <laughs> there's like always seats, you know. I mean, you know, I don't go on like a Saturday night, but anytime I go, there's seats. It's great. It's a perfect bar. And for me, that's James Harden. Right? I mean, other than this fluke injury, he's just the most rounded and I think important part of the Nets carrying them to where they need to go. I don't think that he's going to put them over the top. I think that's KD. But it's just got everything that you want. James Harden. James Harden has everything you want, just like uh, just like the Levy does for me. Totally. Yeah, I, I, the Levy is a great is a great call. Um, that gets a little Nick Claxton-y where, like, if when it is crowded – Oh yeah, um, it's horrible. But yeah. Um, but yeah, you can get there before. Um, so my next one is Cafe Max, which is <laughs> a bar and restauranty in um, Brighton Beach, Brooklyn. It is it. I truly every time I go there. I am honestly feel so grateful it's still there because there's never anyone in there. I think it has to be some kind of front or something. Um, but there's never anyone there yet. It still continues to exist. We've had some, some good times there. Um, such good uh, times. I love that place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Hillary and I went, um, there after our, um, little, um, photo shoot for our, engagement photos it has a lot of sentimental um value for me um and that sentimental value is why i would say it is uh, joe harris who i you know is uh, uh, you know one of the last remaining nets of of old and you know they he he's sort of who I, he's my rock 
um, in these turbulent times and have uh, championship expectations and tons of injuries, um, you know, he, he's sort of who I feel most nostalgic for. Okay. Um, I, I loved the time that we were there, Simon, and I would like to do this maybe if um, we have like friends from out of town visiting or something. But there was this table. It was, there was just like three or four. I'm going to assume here. I don't know for a fact. Russian guys. <laughs> okay. You know. And that there were two things on the table. Yeah. One, a plate with the tallest pile of chicken wings I have ever seen in my entire life. Two, yeah. a bottle of vodka. <laughs> and I would like to go, Simon, with you and maybe one other guy right. and just sit at a table, ask for a bottle of Russian Standard and an obscene amount of chicken and just <laughs> sit there and see how the day goes for us. Yeah, totally. Um, totally. Uh, and again, it was us, that group of maybe three to four men and no one. Uh. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to go to my last category. So I'm leaving one off from each of these categories and I'll do a, an honorable mention at the end very quick. Okay. But my last category are blasts from the past, Simon. Great. These great, great. are fallen dive bars that we used to love, um, but cannot love anymore because they no longer exist. I'll just do two from this first one. And these are hard to talk about because, I mean, I have such intense nostalgia for these places. <laughs> uh, first one, uh, Williamsburg. Uh, both of them are in Williamsburg, actually. Uh, Legion. Uh, so this sure. was the ultimate 10 till 2 place. You show up at uh, – that's a, that's a, <laughs> that was what – that's what that's – what, <laughs> It's what Claire called the place that you show up to at the end of the night and, uh, like, you're guaranteed to meet someone. Mm -hmm. um, but if you win at 1045 at night, literally no one's there. You would be <laughs> alone in a room and probably drunk but very sad. If you go at 130 in the morning, it is packed with an entire room of, yes, what was at the time called hipsters. I don't know if they still would be. Uh, I mean, hell, we were called hipsters. I don't think that we were. We weren't paragons of hipsterdom, but no. we kind of looked, you know, ish. We were hipster adjacent. But it was super cheap, really great music. There was a smoking section outside. It was the best place, I think, in the city to go at, like, the end of, end of the night before like Kellogg's Diner or before Piper told you about a warehouse where there was a party going until <laughs> seven in the morning or something. Um, and, but, but Simon, much like our youth, uh, Legion is gone. Yes. It ran its course. And this is where we have to bring up the very sad news that LaMarcus Aldridge Oh, right. His time in the NBA has come. We weren't, we weren't there. We didn't get to experience his highs, quite like we did Legion. Um, but still, it's nice to know that others did. So LaMarcus Aldridge is my Legion bar. Listeners, if any of you were ever at Legion, please let Simon and me know because we loved, like, we loved <laughs> this place. It was the highlight of many Many weekends. Many weekends. We would take the bus up, catch <laughs> it 
on Classen, take it on up, and eventually make our way to Legion. And fuck, that place was so cool. Uh, my, my last one in this blast from the past, Simon, is Savalas. Oh, of course. So Savalas was basically, and it was another Williamsburg joint on Bedford. Uh, Savalas was basically little Albuquerque in the mid 2000s. Okay, we had it was bar, it, the bartenders there were mostly from Albuquerque. Yeah, yeah. Me and Simon were there as well as other of our friends who were from Alex Albuquerque, Williams. Alex Williams and and others. Um drinks were either very cheap or just straight up free because yeah. we'd get them for free. We also had no money at this time in our lives. Yes, that's correct. Um and it just reminds me not necessarily of a better time. But a time when the <laughs> a time when the world was full of possibilities and expectations, you know, like totally. we're sort of fresh into New York and there's this cool place we get to go and oh man, anything could happen. We're gonna meet someone cool or maybe we ourselves are gonna become cool somehow. <laughs> uh just <laughs> transmorph into cool people. Yeah, anything yeah. could have happened there. You know, it obviously yeah, never did. Yeah. And for me, that makes Savalas D'Angelo Russell, right? He uh, was a time of limitless possibility. You pair him and Julius Randle. You pair him and Tobias Harris, and we're going to have a super team that's, you know, of, of, of discarded people that are just going to transform the whole NBA. Um, so like Savalas, you know, D'Angelo, I think, is more fun in our, in, our, in our memory than it actually was, but it was still, hey, it was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I have I have two. Um, one is uh, also two closed bars. Um, uh, the first is um, Half Court, um, which oh, is a bar. How did I not put that? <laughs> so, I, I mean, so I sh- sorry. Oh my! God. I should have put. I definitely should have put at, at least um, the Levy. Like the Levy is definitely up there. Um, anyway. Um, Half Court uh, was a bar in um, Prospect Heights, kind of straddling Crown Heights, uh, and it was never popular. Many, many memories, though, there. Like, we would – there were times when, like, we were the only people in the bar and the bartender – it was the only – it's the only place I've really gotten to know at any level uh, the, the, like, bartenders who were also the owners. Um, At at least – PJ. I don't know that I knew Polly very well. <laughs> Polly was tough to <laughs> tough to crack. <laughs> Any, anyway, yeah, yeah. It was a, a great, you know, amazing place. Uh, but I think we always kind of knew, like, you know, its time was going to come. Like we were, it was on borrowed time yeah. that that place. And for that reason, it is Kenny Atkinson, who mm. you know we both love. Uh, but you know. You kind of always, especially once we got Katie and Kyrie, there was kind of a clock tick, tick, ticking on on K.A. And then my last one is Franklin Park, which I've heard is closed. Although maybe it will reopen, though, in the, you know, post-pandemic world. But I had heard that it was... um, Like, fully closed. Yeah, Um, I think I'd heard that, too. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. And Franklin Franklin Park is actually not one of my favorites. Franklin yeah, I was going to say, it's not one of mine either. No, it, it, it is not. You'll see where I'm going with this one. It is a place that 
nonetheless, despite the fact that it had no like cheap beers, it wasn't, um, you know, a, a particularly great place for any reason. It was like a place I was always at for, for like trivia. Like it was the place where we could all meet to do trivia. So we would do that. It was one of the bars in the neighborhood that does kind of have a surprising dearth of, of kind of like decent bars. Um, or like and youngish that, bars, you know, like it has a cool, right. it has a cool right. feel to it. Yes. Yeah. Right. It has. Yes, it has. It, 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 it yeah, totally. Um, but it's kind of a bar. I always felt like, okay, yeah, I guess we'll go, you know, inertia has carried me to this bar again. <laughs> and, and for that reason, it is Deandre Jordan. Now I don't dislike Franklin park as much as I dislike Deandre Jordan, but it's a similar, like, Hey, he's buddies with the guys. He's going to play. And for God's sakes, uh, LaMarcus, we thought we had gotten rid of, of Deandre and LaMarcus Aldridge has a rare heart, um, defect. That, right. Like, puts DeAndre back in like that. It just, <laughs> I'm back at Franklin park. <laughs> right. No, that's extreme. That is spot on. I, I was, I was worried you were going to speak positively about Franklin park and we were going to have to get into a, a fight on the show, but no. um, can I give you just very quickly my, my, my uh, honorable mentions? Yeah. So my blast for the past honorable mention was minor arcana. Of course, absolutely. Yeah, that was sort of the first cool dive bar in our neighborhood. Uh, that was Archie Goodwin for me. <laughs> uh, these are basically going to be inside jokes, so our listeners will really like this. My bars you have to travel to was Birdies. Oh, in Bushwick, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where we spent sure. that wonderful day, day drinking together. Yes, um, yes. That's KD. For me, it's just like a little cooler than I usually, you know, than I can handle, I think, these uh-huh. days. Mm-hmm. And that's that's KD. Um, and my near and dear was Freddy's Long Bar mm. before it got demolished to build Barclays Center. Because ah. I remember going there. That's the first place I ever had a Long Island iced tea, I think. And... Uh, at the time, Kyle's uh, girlfriend, Shoshi, had to plead with us not to have another Long Island iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> it's like $8 for the strongest Long Island iced tea you've ever had in your life. It's just like, you guys, you cannot have a third one. This is insane what you're doing. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah, it was insane. It was, but I mean, we were 23 years old, right? Whatever, so right. it wasn't that insane. Um, all right, thank you for that segment, Simon. I, uh, I can't wait to go to a bar with you again, and I also <laughs> can't wait to one day go to Cafe Max's to get chicken and vodka. <laughs> <laughs> so much vodka. <laughs> Full bottle vodka. Full bottle of vodka. Full bottle and, of vodka. Um, how we pay? Oh, it also has a great. Just a last thing on Cafe Max. Also has a weird surcharge with every meal. Oh my god! Yes. I've never, never experienced it any other restaurant in my life. It's not a tip. It's just a surcharge. It's called a vig. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had totally forgotten about that. All right. We're going to go to mailbag, Simon. Wonderful. So we got a mailbag, Coombe Stat Station from IRL. Jay-Z, thank you for hitting us up. Listeners, if you are out there and you would like us to 
answer any of your questions about dive bars and or nets, hit us up at maybe next time, gmail.com, or on Twitter. You'll find us. So, Joey Bucket said... Uh, sorry, not Joey Buckets. Uh, IRLJZ wrote and said, Nets Nation deserves a Joey Bucket stat station. Choo, choo. First ever request for a stat station. Very much appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, thank IRL-J-Z. you. Always amazing to hear from you. He said, I think Joey has played every game this season. Question mark. Perfect attendance award for that guy. Second is a couple seasons ago, Joey was like statistically the most average player in the NBA. Where is he at relative to average now? So your first question, IRLJZ, you're correct. He's played every single game. This guy's an Iron Man. I think that goes under-talked about, especially on a team that has had so many goddamn (laughs) injuries. Right. Um, But regarding him being average, it's really hard to say. I I feel like for us, the eye test says Joe Harris is the perfect fit on this team. Right? He is a knockdown shooter he's going to get a ton of open looks on this team perfect fit but if you dive into the advanced numbers on this guy it tells a not different story but a very confusing story Hmm. um so here's what what i found doing a little research on whether or not this guy like how he relates in these like advanced metrics relative to other players in the league the best one for joe harris is rpm which is i think generally regarded as the most accurate one in the league right now the top three in that are lebron steph curry and joel Embiid, who i think people would probably you know so they're pretty good players in the league. And Joe Harris is balling out in RPM. He is 34th in the entire league, and he is fourth amongst all shooting guards behind only LeBron, Kawhi, and Jimmy Butler. Wow, great company. So in that sense, IRL, Jay-Z, or according to RPM, Joey Buckets is not average, my friend. He is extraordinary but then you look at another advanced metric that everyone is in love with per and he falls off a cliff he goes down to 148th in the league four spots behind fellow net bruce brown yeah so yeah uh, so you know kind of weird i looked at his vorp which is value over replacement player which is a 1.2 which means yeah he's a little bit better but a little bit you know, not like staggeringly better than replacement level. His box plus minus is a positive 0.8. So it gives you a slight bump, but not much. Again, seems kind of average. But his net rating this year is a big positive. It's 7.4, which yeah. is the fourth best on the team among players who have played 20 or more games with the Nets. So to answer your question, where is, is Joe just average Joe? Is he elite Joe? What kind of Joe do we got? <laughs> I don't I don't know. Maybe we trust our – maybe you got to go to the eyes on this because the advanced <laughs> numbers don't seem to have a conclusive thing to say on, on the issue. And I think um, – you know, as 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 the the Marx Brothers joke goes, if he looks like an idiot and talks like an idiot, don't be confused. He really is an idiot. Um, 
No, Joe Harris is not an idiot. Uh, he's a he's a, a, a really good. <laughs> in conclusion, really, Joe Harris. No, no, no. He's no, an idiot. No, if he looks like a good three point shooter and he acts like it, he really is a good three point shooter. Um, yeah, no, I think he's really good on this team. I don't think I don't think you plug Joe Harrison in on you know the Kings and he's a he's a big difference maker, but uh, I think he's I think he's great on this team. Yeah, I agree. I think he's a here's another st- and that was a great that that was a good deep dive, William. I'm, I'm, my hats off to you. Oh, thank you. Um, here's another thing that I have no idea how to place it. I'm I'm not really one for um, <laughs> helpful stats. I'm more just a say the stat. Right. Um, Throw it and out you there. People figure it out. Right. <laughs> Four point seven win shares. To me, that seems good. That's very good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, especially so, for a guy who's like a fourth or fifth best guy in your team, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I I think he also like yeah I think he's more of a ceiling raiser than a floor raiser. Like you you yes to your point totally like the Kings are not going to be saved by him. The, the Pistons are going to look <laughs> pretty much the same. Right. But like it's really awesome to have a guy who even when we only have two stars like is like gets an open shot and knocks it down at 50% um accuracy. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? He's the longest tenured net, so we got to show him some love. Uh I'm going with I'm with RPM here over PER. Great. Uh final thing and we would be remiss if we didn't bring it up um at the 53 minute mark. Alizé Johnson signed a multi-year contract worth up to $4.1 million. Simon, instant reaction. I love Alizé Johnson. Me too. Um, I know the Net, Nets, Nets Twitter loves him. He's an easy guy to love. Um, I think he might be, William. Um, potentially, this is a hot, hot take. And I, I may be wrong about this. But my wild fantasy is that sometimes he gets put it like, even in the playoffs for like just a few minutes to kind of give another look, uh, like guarding the other team's best player. Mm-hmm. Um, because he is a rangy wing, um, and he can't shoot threes, but he is like kind of, you know, has some offensive game out there a, a bit and he's an incredibly good rebounder for his size. Incredibly good. Yes. And for his size, I think is important because I love him. He's an energy guy who yeah. like, like a Bruce Brown, you know, finds his way. He's got a nose for the ball. Yeah, exactly. But like Bruce Brown, he is small. Like <laughs> they list him as a possible power forward who's six foot seven, but I swear to God, he looks like he is maybe six foot five. <laughs> he is not tall. Yeah, he's um, right. He he is he is a, a, a medium wing at best. Yeah. Agreed. But no, I'm I'm very intrigued. They obviously are very intrigued by him. I think it's pretty incredible that he was able to play his way into a three-year NBA contract. Uh, God knows we have had a lot of 10 days who... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gone from my memory for all time. Yes, to- totally. Totally. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that, with that signing. And yeah, I'm not sure that he's going to play that much in the playoffs, but, uh, I, I would be curious to see if you're right, because that would be, um, an interesting wrinkle 
for the Nets, yeah. a, a, a different look for the Nets to put out there for sure. Um, yeah. All right, Simon, would you let people know how to find us and rate us and love us? Yes. Find us virtually anywhere you're getting your podcasts. Um, and please, please, please give us five stars. Um, those reviews very much help us. They are important to us. Um, they are the only thing we ask from you, um, our beloved listeners. Uh, we don't hit you with the ads, mm-hmm. nor do we even – we couldn't even take your money if we wanted to. Um, we have no capacity to do that. So um, if you could just please, please give us five stars, that would be um, great. Uh, and then um, hit us up on, at um, gmail.com with your comments, questions, concerns. Thank you again to IRLJZ. Always – bringing it uh and um also at maybe next time on twitter and instagram all right folks thanks for listening it was it was really it was really nice to talk both about the nets and dive bars let us know what your favorite brooklyn dive bar is uh maybe we haven't heard of it and we'd love to go also like i said if you were at legion Fucking hit us up, or if you know what Minor Arcana or um, or Savalas were, Savalas would be weird. That would be that would be interesting. Um, do you remember that Legion used to have in like that other back room? They would be having like concerts there yes. sometimes. Like it was an entirely different environment. <laughs> it was like behind the door. Yes. <laughs> totally unconnected to whatever was happening in the front place. Also, the bathroom had one of the most robust toilet paper on ceiling <laughs> stalactite <laughs> assemblages in the history of man yeah, on chains if i'm not mistaken yes oh they had a lot of toilet paper on chains but yeah but the, the, people would wad them up wet them and throw them at the ceiling it was a uh, oh yes it was a, a marvel to behold <laughs> it's like going to carlsbad caverns except you were fucking blackout drunk at four in the morning <laughs> the Carlsbad Caverns of Williamsburg <laughs> Alright, thank you for listening folks And we'll go ahead and uh, see ya And that's done I was tired of my lady We'd been together too long Like a worn out recording Of a favorite song she lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read If you like pina colada